Good evening and welcome to 48 Shades of Football, everybody's favourite English language Korean footballing podcast. And on tonight's show, we look back at the first 48 Shades derby of the season. We ask whether we jinxed Suwon FC last week and we wonder why K2 teams just can't win at home. Also a little look forward to this weekend's games in both K1 and the FA Cup. Well, uh, Tom has uh, called in sick. Uh, Paul's pulled a fast one as well. Funny that after the weekend's results. Uh, so we've got uh, one person who's happy, one person who uh, doesn't look so happy. Mark, you're pretty happy footballing-wise this week. Uh, I am indeed, yeah, footballing-wise, yes, I am indeed. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, it was the first 48 Shades derby uh, of the season. Uh, we talked about it last week. I expressed my concerns about Chibol, um in more ways than one. And uh, yeah, um, Songnam one, what can I say? Then that is what today's intro was all about as well, obviously. Um, as Tommy Kiss came off the bench and gave Songnam the victory. He uh, sealed it with a kiss, as you might say. Uh, Joe, you've got your head in your hands. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's to do with the, the, the dreadful pun, though I believe it was you who suggested it, uh, but also possibly the weekend's football. Not a big shock, to be honest. I had myself predicted a draw. Um, so, yeah, back to, back to normality, which, uh, you know, there, there is some uh, comfort in, in that. OK, we'll be coming back to K2 uh, and uh, normality. Hopefully it's not the new normal. We hear that phrase quite a lot at the moment. Uh, in, just, uh, in just a little while, we will, first of all, talk about the uh, K1. There was a full uh, set of fixtures. I don't know how much uh, any of you guys watched, except for what was supposedly the main event uh, but we will start with that main event, which was on Sunday. It was 4.30pm uh, in an empty Sangam. No dolls in the crowd this time. And uh, it ended up with well, a, a win for, I guess you're going to say, a win for the good guys, Mark. Um, yes, I am. Uh, I am indeed actually going to say it was a win for the good guys, to be honest. Um, where will I start? Will I start the bad guys being um, Ko Yohan? Will I start with the bad guys being... Um, chase tactics? No, I'm joking. Um, I think it was a great... Actually, it wasn't a great game. Uh, it was a fairly frustrating game. Um, Songnam really were poor for pretty much about 75 of the 90 minutes. Um, we never really got out of reverse, never mind uh, first gear. I think I said that same joke last week, actually. But yeah, we were pretty bad. I mean, I, I think... I think, you know, on last week's podcast, I, was, I talked about how I really hate, you know, Songnam going to Seoul World Cup Stadium. We've actually won there. Uh, if you don't count the FA Cup final, which was actually a nothing each draw, uh, we've actually, before Sunday, I think we'd won there three times in 20 games. Um, like, it's, it's not a place that very many of the old guard of the Songnam fans like to go. Um, it's been a little bit better in, in, in recent years, but... Uh, che seems to have had the, the better of most of the Songnam managers that he's, has, he's come up against. One of those victories at Seoul World Cup Stadium was actually Wang Sung Hong's first game. So again, you know, Che wasn't involved in that. Um, so I, I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, I think I did text Joe a couple of minutes before kickoff saying, God, I hate this team. But um, anyway, um, but I think Seoul started the better team. If Paul was here, I'm sure... He would complain and moan about so we're terrible, but so so started really well. Um, they threw everything at, at Songnam. They pushed them, they harried them, they closed them down. 
some of them panicked a lot. Actually, uh, Glory had a was interviewed after the game for I think it was Neighbour Sports, and, and he said we were far too nervous. We made far too many mistakes in the first ten minutes, um, and it took him quite a bit to recover. Um, there was a collision between Chib Young Chan and I don't know who the other guy was around 25 minutes um, and uh, we took off Chib Young Chan and brought on Yang Dong Hyung and that, everything changed at that point. Like, that was in the half hour mark, the last 15 minutes, the first half. Song Nam looked better. Um, second half, Seoul started bright again, looked a better team. And then, what can we say? Um, the save of the season. You can just stop all goalkeepers right now, no one will make a better save in any league uh, this season uh, than that one that Glory made. It was just... It was a cross and it was, it was Go Johan sliding in at the far post. He made a, a good contact with it as well. He, he, made, he made perfect contact. I mean, he was three yards out when he made contact, maybe three, maybe four yards out. Uh, it would have beat um, 99% of goalkeepers. But somehow, uh, Glory just like flipped his right hand up and 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 got it and knocked it over the bar and it was it was a it was a an exceptional save. I mean, it, it was it was amazing. I, I've kind of run out of superlatives for it, to be perfectly honest. And maybe uh, and the, think... the momentum the momentum of the game possibly shifted then as well because Songnam certainly after that. I think maybe Seoul thought this just isn't going to be our day, and Songnam certainly had the better chances after that. It was the free kick which just went wide as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that we often talk about those game-changing moments in, in football. You know, the, the, the moment where like, one team's head goes down as the other team's head goes up. You know, maybe it's a penalty save, penalty miss. Maybe it's, you know, like a red card. Maybe it's a substitution or something. And definitely that moment, Seoul just looked as if, yeah, we can't win this game. Like, we can't, you know, the whole first half, they had controlled most of the game, but they couldn't get by Songnam's defence. Then when they finally got by the defenders, there was glory there. And I think, I do agree that that totally changed Seoul's uh, approach. Um, then Che brought on uh, Alabef, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, like, maybe 10 minutes to go, and just about that time... Uh, Kim brought on um, he brought on Tommy Tommy Kiss and the guy who's been impressing most Songnam fans this season other than Glory uh, has been Iskandarov um, who is the Uzbekistani guy that we signed and he was one of those guys that when you sign and you see the YouTube video you're like wow if, you know, if he's as good as his YouTube highlights what a good player and, and he actually is as good as his YouTube highlights he's controlled all four games that we've played, not control them all, but you know what I mean? He's been our main, our, our main focal point in, in all four games. Uh, he whipped a, a beautiful ball up front. Uh, Tommy cushioned it down to um, E.T. He, I think it was, who looked as if he was trying to cross it back across goal. Uh, Yu Sang Hyun panicked, flapped at it and knocked it off of Tommy's knee. Uh, who did that amazing thing that strikers do when the balls cross the line and he just volleyed it right in the back of the net. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because like, he didn't want it to be just coming off his knee. Uh, he ran away. I think the soul players looked at uh, offside. Uh, he, he ran away, celebrated. And um, yeah, I don't even think I went to VAR. I think it was fairly, fairly obvious that he was onside. Um, 
sold, uh, sorry, Songnam had another chance immediately after that, straight from kickoff. Um, he picked up again, Iskandrov picked it up, laid it off to Tommy, he laid it off to uh, Yang, Yang Dong-hyun maybe it was, who cracked it from outside the box, and Yu Sang-hyung pulled off a, a, a pretty decent save at that point. Um, and then the game, yeah, I mean, only had a couple of minutes left and finished finished 1-0 Songnam. And yeah, I was a very happy, happy bunny. Certainly. And, and, and Dean, I, I think the, the young kid you talked about last week, um, also uh, Hong, I think it is, had a, a good game again. Yeah, he's uh, Hong, Hong Shihu. Um, he, he basically has come from nowhere. He'd never actually played uh, professional football, but for an actual real team. I think he'd been at university teams and stuff. Not that they're not real teams, but they, you know what I mean? Professional leagues. Uh, yeah. And uh, he, he basically was on trial uh, at Songnam Reserves. Probably the game that we were at, actually. Uh, that was probably him who scored all those goals. <laughs> Maybe, actually. And um, he, he got signed up uh, in, the, in the close season. 19 years of age. Um, and if he can learn composure, if he can learn, you know, like when to throw his foot around, because he was kind of chasing things a, a little bit erratically at, at times, and he, he, he looks like he might get a couple of cards, uh, but if he can be more composed um, and put his kind of, like, his kind of foot on the ball and think a bit more, he's going to be a fantastic talent. Like he, he, he's not going to be at Songnam for much long, well, for too long, I don't think, but um, yeah, he's, he definitely looks like he could be the next big Korean player. And of course that victory puts Songnam up into the, well, the A, who knows what's happening with AFC this year, next year, uh, forever, but it does put Songnam up into the AFC places at just a point. The league leaders now with both the two, uh, Jongbuk and Ulsan, dropping points at the weekend. Uh, anyone able to catch up with either of those two games? Uh, those were the games on Saturday afternoon, Kangwon and Jongbuk, followed by uh, Gwangju and Ulsan in the evening. Watched the uh, Gangwon Jongbuk game. Uh, I, I won't spend too long on it. Uh, I think I think Joe's getting huffing and puffing about K1 taking over the podcast this week. Um, but uh, Jongbuk, I mean, I think I, I actually texted the, the group chat to say Jongbuk had a joke. Um, they they went down to ten men, maybe like ten or fifteen minutes into the game. I'm not exactly sure when it was. Uh, shocking, uh, not a shocking red card in terms of it wasn't one, but. He, uh, the, the player lost the ball. Uh, gang one guy ran by him and he just pulled his, his uh, jersey. I think it was as much red mist as it was a red card as well. Uh, but up, even up until that point, even for those first 10, 15 minutes, John Booker looked poor anyway. They were sitting too far off of gang one. Um, gang one uh, scored. It was uh, Kumu Yol, uh, who scored his second goal in two games, also scoring against uh, his old team. Uh, John Book. I don't think he played much for John Book, but he was there. Um, and then, yeah, that was half time. Second half was a completely different game. John Book were like, I don't know if they were incensed or whatever. I don't know what it was. I don't know what Moray said at half time, but they came out a far better team and they fought for every ball. Whereas in the first half, they looked really meek. In the second half, they looked like champions, basically. And they were probably unlucky not, not to get a draw. They were probably unlucky not to get something from the game. I see you're, you're asking, you wonder what Moraes said half-time. He was given a red card himself. What happened there? I, I mean, I didn't watch it. What happened there? Um, there was, like, some point in the second half, there was a, a relatively, like, innocuous challenge, to be honest. 
it was never a red card. And um, Moraes just lost it. He just went absolutely crazy. And I think he, I think he still swears through his translator, through the the Korean like assistant coach. And um, they, the the linesman was standing talking to him. Um, it seemed to, to be calmed down. The referee walked away, uh, walked back onto the pitch, and then he just stopped dead on the pitch and just turned round. And in his earpiece, he just told the linesman get him off. So I don't know if he continued it. I think the referee told him to calm down. I think the the assistant manager told him, you know, keep it calm. I think Moraes pretended he was calm. And the referee turned his back. He must have said something else. And the, the referee took a couple of steps forward and just went, get him off. And he was sent off. So he, if, if you remember Che Kang He, I mean, he, he never showed any emotion. He, he never smiled. I mean, you could, like John Book could be winning 10-0. Uh, and Chavis still sit there looking as if someone has stolen his candy. Um, but Moraes is like overly passionate. I mean, he's uh, it's refreshing. Well, maybe it was refreshing at the beginning of last season for John Book fans, but now it just looks as if he's kind of it's, he he looks like um, for what of a better word, he looks like Stephen Gerrard, as if the world is against him. Um, that's how he reminds me, kind of like someone who's like every every foul, every decision is going against him uh, for, for whatever reason. You really don't like John Book, do you? Uh, I'm beginning to really dislike him. Uh, like, I mean, I know they play in green and white and all that stuff, and I have supported them at games in the past, but I'm really beginning to get to a point where I, where I, I dislike them. Uh, John Book had, I think, 15 attempts on goal compared with Kang Won's five over the whole whole game. Uh, it wasn't to be for them. That gave Ulsan a very, very good opportunity in on Saturday evening to make up some ground. They they did make up some ground, but perhaps not as much as one might have expected them to have done so away at pointless and goalless Guangzhou. Yeah, I think Guangzhou took the lead, right? I didn't see that. Uh, they did. Yes, they, they, they did actually score both goals. In, in, in fact, they took the lead uh, pretty early uh, only for uh, their own defender, I think it was Ihan Do, maybe putting through his own his own net uh, about ten minutes on. Just like John Book, Olsen absolutely dominated the rest of the game, but to absolutely no avail, and it finished uh, one apiece down there. So the first point of the season for Guangzhou. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see the game at all, but I'd be a bit alarmed if I was an Olsen fan. I mean, they won the first game four 0 against Sangju. I've been looked rosy. They came back and beat Blue Wings 3-2, but I mean, like I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think that was a lot that was down to Blue Wings goalkeeping. And then in the past two games, Busan and Guangzhou, the two promoted teams, two draws. So uh, I think it's a bit worrying, um, considering these are more to be a title challenger. But again, the, the, the good thing for them is that John Book are not running away with it as yet. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people talk about Ulsan as being... The perpetual bottle merchants, um, you know, they they blew the the FA Cup final uh, over two legs against Daegu, which I mean, they probably they, they should have won that. They blew spectacularly, blew the league last year on on, on the last day of the season, um, and I think um, the they this season, yeah, they've twice, well, not twice had chances, but yeah, I mean, Pusan and Guangzhou are, are two teams that they should be beaten. Um, no offence meant to Pusan and Guangzhou, but the, especially Guangzhou when John Book have already dropped points. I mean, that was Usan's chance, but it seems that every time there's pressure on them, every time that 
their favourites are every time it's like, you know, the cameras are on them, they just can't perform. And um, it's, if I was an Ulsan fan, I would be hugely worried because I don't, I still don't rate this John Book team. I still don't think they're, they're, they're the best team in the league. I think Gang One actually are, are, are the best team in the league, but uh, Ulsan really need to start taking their chances um, because John Book are the type of team that when they play Ulsan, they'll, they'll raise their game and beat them. Um, so Ulsan need to be taking the other chances when John Book drop points. Very tight at the top with uh, John Book just a point clear of Ulsan and of course Songnam. And Pohang, Kangwon and Sangju just a further point back. Sangju actually kicked things off on Friday night. They went to Daegu, they drew one each. I think the, the biggest news coming out of that game possibly was a serious injury to uh, Hong Jong-un. Very interestingly about, about that game, I actually started watching it. Uh, the first half was, um, I think, uh, you fell asleep actually during the game uh, over the weekend, I think, Alistair, right? Um, uh, the game, I, game I fell asleep in was the Busan, Busan Suwon game. Yeah, so I, um, I, I basically watched the, the first half and then I decided that there were far better things to do. Uh, so I, I tuned out for 10 minutes in, in the second half and I missed two goals and a potential goal of the season contender from Cezina who scored a kind of similarly uh, goal or almost identical goal to uh, Cho Ji-wan against Seoul, but probably slightly, slightly better, actually. Um, so I missed both goals and nothing else happened outside of those 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, not a, not a great review of that game from me, sorry. Uh, it was a, a, a good goal. You can see it if you go, I think, onto the Daegu's at Daegu's uh, Twitter feed, I think you can see it from about 25 different angles as well. And yeah, I would agree it was probably better than the, the Kangwon one uh, earlier on in the season. Uh, the other two games, yeah, I fell asleep on Saturday night. It was uh, between Busan and Suwon. Decent opening half hour, I thought, pretty end to end. But uh, then I, I did literally fall asleep. I woke up with billiards on the TV. I actually only caught the last uh, maybe 15 minutes of that. I was watching, or half watching, Gyeongnam uh, and, and Daejeon. Um, but what I did see, Blue Wings should have won it. Um, they, they'd all the chances certainly at the end of the match. Uh, one or two really good chances. And it, it brought me back to a thing we mentioned last week regarding Busan. You know, they can set up well and frustrated teams like Chonbuk to an extent and then Ulsan. But when they're expected to go out and get the points, that's when it looks a bit tougher for them. But um, again, they didn't lose any ground to anyone, but I would have liked to see them go out and perform better and certainly in the parts of the game that I saw. So, yeah, Busan remaining remaining winless after four games. Also remaining winless is Incheon, but they did at least score a goal on Sunday night. I don't know if anyone saw that goal. It was an absolutely tremendous strike by uh, Kim Ho Nam, I think it was. Unfortunately, by the time he scored it, they were already trailing uh, two goals to nil by Pohang. And Pohang got another couple as well. And to ultimately win 4-1. So it seems if you want to actually beat Incheon, uh, you do just need to score early and possibly the the, the, the bus will be unparked from the goal. Uh, so that leaves, as we said, Jombuk on top, but four teams remaining winless, Daegu, Busan, Incheon and Gwangju. And it's pretty tight in the middle as well. The action is really all about K2, as we know. 
And again, a full program uh, took place over the weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll start, we'll go backwards actually. We'll start at the end of the weekend where uh, Suwon, high-flying Suwon, were home to Buchan, looking to extend their impressive run of form. Didn't quite go to plan, did it, Joe? No, it did not. Um, it was a... Like I'd said last week, I was uh, predicting a tough game, possibly a draw. I was a little worried about our um, lack of rotation. And I think it did come back to bite us. Uh, the first half, Buchan started really well. I thought we looked a little flat, but I don't want to take anything away from Buchan. They started well, scored a goal pretty early, I think after about five minutes, um, and you know had other chances. After about 20 minutes, Suwon FC came back in eight. Their pressing started to work. Uh, they were creating chances. <laughs> we were sitting at home, the four of us watching it, and we thought Massa had actually scored. Um, and we all leaped off the sofa. Only to find out it just went slightly wide and hit the back of the Suwon FC were pushing and finally got an equaliser, I think about 31 minutes from An Byung-jun again. So again, his sixth in five games. Uh, and for this, the first half, Suwon FC looked on top and I was pretty confident. But the second half, it just didn't happen. Again, Butron came out, started very well, created chances. Suwon FC struggled to get anything going. The guys who had been really good for us, like Marlone and Massa, it just didn't click for them. I mean, they were trying. I mean, Marloni, again, always looking for the ball. It just wasn't coming off from on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, but after about an hour, Buchan took the lead again. Very similar goal to the first goal. They went down our left-hand side. Uh, a ball across the six-yard box with pace took Yuhan out of the game. And the uh, guy came in at the back post. So the first one, he came in and scored. The second one, uh, our defender... Uh, I'm going to Che Guanghyun, I think, perhaps. Um, tried to cut it out. He did cut it out. Hit it off the post, and it fell to the attacker who struck it away. So 2-1 to Buchon. Um, Buchon were pretty much in control, had more chances. Then Suwon FC went about long ball. They were, you know, they were they weren't creating clear-cut chances, but they were putting Buchon under a bit of pressure. But it was long ball, and Buchon were pretty comfortable. And the thing about the rotation, the past three games, I think, after an hour, we've taken off a wide player and brought on Akos, the uh, the Slovakian fella who is 193 centimetres, uh, which has meant we'll try to utilise that by going long ball, but it doesn't seem to be his game. I'm hoping it's just a case of him growing into it, but it's, it's been a pretty regular tactic. I'd say for the past three games, he's had about the last 30 minutes a wide man goes off and then maybe Massa or whatever we pushed out wide. Um, and it doesn't, quite frankly, hasn't worked. Um, anyway, the long and short of it is that Buchan deserved their win. Um, I'm not too upset because I can see a difference even when we lose that there's more of a competitiveness about us. So, uh, you know, hopefully um, we can go over this. Unfortunately, that's the second home game we've lost out of three, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, so disappointed, but uh, looking forward to getting back on the, the horse. And the combination of results this week have actually landed Buchan on top of the league, having watched them. Uh, what do you think of their chances are of launching a serious serious campaign? Based on Sunday, um, 
I can certainly see them challenging the playoffs, yeah. They're well organised, they work hard for each other. They've got some quick players, they're foreign players. I think it's Viviano and Bayo, I don't quote me on those names, but yeah, they, they look lively. One of them is number nine, looks like a boxer, more than a footballer, but he's a good player. And the, the other guy's quite, quite quick. So yeah, they look well organised and played really well. So I, I can certainly see them being up there. I mean, if I think so, FC can be up there, Buchan certainly can. Well, part of the reason that Buchan are up there is that the, the big game on Saturday, I think it was, uh, the one that Dejan was saving their players for was the, the trip to uh, Gyeongnam. And it was quite an eventful match. I believe you watched a bit of that one as well, Joe. Yeah, um, I didn't focus on it, but I had it on in the background for the, the majority of it. Gyeongnam got off to a terrible start. And another one where it was originally given as a yellow, but then VAR intervened, the ref looked again and changed it to a red. I seem to be in the minority on Twitter, whereby I was arguing it should have stayed a yellow. Uh, I'm starting to question, is it just my anti Dage on agenda? Um, he did kick the guy in the face, which when you see it like that, you think, well, it must be a red card. But, uh, you know, I don't think there was much power in it. He was caught out by the bounce as a throw-in came to him. Didn't see the guy coming. Tried to control the ball, but the guy nodded that away. But always, always look to see how injured these guys really are. I mean, there was no blood. He got up and played on the full game. I guess later the law probably is a red card. Um, but I think we're getting more towards like basketball these days. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, not a great start for Gyeongnam, who had geared herself up for this game. Uh, Daejeon went ahead early in the second half, I believe, yeah. Gyeongnam, 10 men, Gyeongnam, say 85 minutes to played, including injury time. Fought back, scored two late goals. The first one, an absolute howler between the defender and the goalkeeper. Two goals from inside the six-yard box. So they're 2-1 up. We're going to injury time. Da-da-da! Dejan get a VAR penalty. Who'd have thunk it? You know, uh, again, if I'm being one of these ones, you look at it and you can see why it's given. Uh, it wasn't an outrageous decision to give him a penalty. It was, could be argued both ways. But I think are starting to question it, or I'm trying to get them to question, is the amount of decisions that are being looked at again for Dejan. It seems out of whack compared to every other team. Pretty much every challenge in the box is reviewed again for Dejan. Now, I'm going OTT with that. I am exaggerating a little. But, you know, every game this season, five games, there's been a decision that has uh, been taken by VAR that has influenced the game and helped them. These things, as I think I tweeted, when you're owned by the league sponsor, eyebrows will be raised. Whether that is fair or not, eyebrows will be raised, especially by those chasing you. But again, they played that game 85 minutes, 11 v 10, and they were lucky to get the draw. They're kind of doing a John book, whereby the top of the league, well done anymore actually, but on the top, but um, they haven't really impressed me. But they're up there, uh, they're undefeated, so what can we say? And they've got Andre Luis as well, who continues to uh, to bang them away. Uh, a few other games, obviously, in the K2. Down on the south coast, it was John M and Anyang. Uh, that one finished one each. Uh, a foreigner uh, on the score sheet for each team. Uh, Maxwell Acosti with the first half goal for Anyang. Injury time equaliser for John M. Uh, Julian Christofferson, another late penalty there. 
Uh, also, uh, Jeju were winners away. There was uh, a red card and late goals at the Ansan Wa. The red was for the Greeners at Kim Min Ho. Uh, goals for Jeju by Juming Gyu and a late winner from Kang Yun Sung. That was either side actually of a Bruno strike. And looking at Twitter, uh, he, he either got it caught between his feet or, or he displayed beautiful touch, depending on whose Twitter feed you actually read for that one. Uh, as uh, as we often say, looking at the looking at the VAR, looking at the Dejon, uh, a lot of the times it is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, the other game, I'm, I, I know I spend most of the time here absolutely bagging Seoul Eland, uh, but credit where credit's due, they went down to Assam on Sunday in an early Leandro penalty was the only goal of the game. So uh, they uh, got the win. Yeah, I think it was a good win. I didn't watch the game, but again, some will flag, but it leads Asan is the only winless team in the K2. Everyone else has now won a game. Uh, the thing, Asan have had two away games. They've drawn both. Three home games, they've lost them all. So uh, home is not where the heart is for Asan. And if you notice, at the bottom of the league, it's the three A's in descending order. And Anyang followed by Ansan, followed by Asan. At the top of the league, what it is, Buchon just ahead of Dejan Hanna. Uh, then Suwon still in third with nine points. Jeju filling up the remaining uh, playoff space at the moment. Now, you mentioned home is, isn't where the heart is. Not a single home team actually won a game in the K2 over the weekend. Only Kangwon one in K1. One from 11 matches. Is something going on? It's just, I mean, it's very unusual. I, so I, I got my uh, my research folder out and I, I had a quick look through. And actually, in the K2 this season, although I had five rounds of matches, so 25 games, there have been four home victories in 25 games. Last weekend was actually the third weekend in a row that no home team has won a game. So it's, it's quite remarkable. Well, is it remarkable? Now, obviously, we're playing in unusual times. There's no fans in the stadium. Is that making a change? So I had a look back at previous years. The K2 has all been pretty even. So after five rounds in 2018, uh, we had eight home wins, eight draws, and nine away wins. In 2019, we had nine home wins, eight draws, and eight away wins. So pretty much identical in 18 and 19. This season so far, we've had four home wins, eight draws, and 13 away wins, which means 52% of K2 games this season have resulted in an away win. So you're wondering, uh, do lower teams, lesser talented teams slash players rely more on fans? I think it's something that, um, there's something I found interesting when I was watching the um, the, uh, Seoul Songnam game is so obviously pumped in like crown noise. You know, obviously they they lost the game, right? Um Gang One didn't pump in crowd noise and they won the game. And Gang One haven't pumped in crowd noise all season. And I think I'm right in saying like, in terms of at home with Gang One, it's been they beat Seoul three one, they drew one each with Song Nam and they've they've now beaten John Book one 0 So I don't know if Gang One actually have any fans anyway. Um, you know, like normally, but I wonder if the Gangwon players are able to treat it more like, well, you know, we're going to win this based on on skill because we're the better team. Maybe they're treating it more like an exhibition match or something. I, I, I don't know. But Gangwon are one of the, the, I think, the only club in K1 that's not pumping in uh, fan noise. 
and seem to be the only club that, that are able to win at home uh, or get a, a decent result at home. The Seoul game, watching it on, on TV, to be perfect, it really didn't sound a whole lot of difference between being at the game or maybe watching the game on TV normally and watching it with the pumped-in fan noise. But I just wonder how eerie it sounds for the, for the players. You know, we talk about it as watching it at home is so much better. But for players in those big stadiums, is it just weird to kind of hear this, like, fake noise? I wonder if that may be affecting things. I dipped my toe in the murky waters of K1 for a bit of research on their recent history. In 2018, they had 10 home wins, five draws and nine away wins after four games. Uh, four rounds, sorry. In 19, that went up to 15 home wins, five draws and four aways. And so far this year, we're at 10 home wins, uh, eight draws and six aways. So 2018 and 2020 are very similar. They've got 42% home wins. Uh, 2019, in week four last year, there were six home wins out of six, which uh, rarely happens. So in, in 2019, actually, had 15 home wins out of 24, uh, 63% at this stage. So um, there, there, there's a drop compared to last year, but it's pretty much the same as 2018. So I'm not sure that it, I mean, you can say 2018 had fans, 2020 doesn't, but the home wins are identical at this stage. Now, I know that's getting a bit statistic heavy, so I'll, I'll try and keep this next one short. Apologies. We do know that the Bundesliga came back a few weeks ago. Since returning behind closed doors, they've also had four rounds of fixtures. They play nine, nine matches per round. But in their four rounds since coming back, that's uh, 36 matches, they've only had eight home wins, 10 away wins, and oh, sorry, 10 draws and 18 away wins. So also in the Bundesliga, 50% of games have been won by the away team. Uh, behind closed doors. So, you know, I'm just wondering, is there something, is K1 actually the anomaly? Or, I mean, the thing is that we often joke uh, about how, you know, the atmosphere at K1, or, you know, in, in, in K-League is not great. You know, like we go there to drink, uh, you know, and, and so on. And that we do often joke, you know, about, about how they kind of like, the Quinchana, Quinchana, you know, it was someone misses a shot and stuff at, um, you know, it's kind of annoying and, you know, as real football fans from back home, you know, we, you know, we do want them screaming at players and so on. And, I, and I, just, I just wonder if maybe, you know, that Quintana actually is what helps players out. I mean, maybe that, you know, that kind of way that the fans are always positive, you know, like there's never really, like home fans never really boo or never really scream and shout obscenities and, unless it's me shouting at Philip Halofsky after his FA Cup debut. But, I mean, generally, you know, home fans are always really positive in terms of their their chants, their songs, or their, their utterances, I guess. So it does make me wonder if maybe some of these players do need that continued positive encouragement and they're maybe not getting it with no fans in the stadium. I think there could be something behind that. I do. And I think... Let's say maybe in the K2, it is more pronounced. And, you know, these players are not as talented, perhaps, and uh, need a bit more encouragement or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, maybe that's why we're looking at 16% home wins. I, I'm not sure. I do have a question, Mark. Do you have an on on this day for this week? Uh, I don't actually know. 
Okay, now I want to share something with you. Uh, not an on this day, but as I was looking back at these homes, draws and aways, how about this for a set of results? K2, 2018 round four. I'm trying to do my best video printer round here. C1 FC nil, Luchan one. Seoul Elan nil, Guangzhou nil. Asan one, Anyang one. Songnam nil, Ansan nil. Daejeon nil, Busan one. Five games, four goals. What the? That sounds like a binary code as well. Exactly. I was complaining about K1 at the weekend because the first five games, I think, had five goals. And then Buchon and, uh, sorry, Inchon and uh, Pohang had another five. So that brought the goal average right up. But yeah, I mean, I thought the K1 this week was pretty dull until Pohang started scoring some goals, goals-wise. But yeah, K2 has had its moments. Maybe Barbaros was onto something. Uh, maybe he's just actually watching uh, two years, two years in arrears. Uh, good old yeah, Barbaros on, on Twitter. <laughs> good please, Mark. You don't have an on this day, but I do believe you want to talk about something something odd going on in terms of substitutions in the K League this year. Yeah, I I do indeed, Dyke. So basically, in Korea, as we know, that we have this under twenty two rule. Uh, the idea is that there must be, you know, like an under-22 player uh, like in your starting 11. Well, it doesn't have to be. But if there's no under-22 player in the starting 11, you only get two subs. Um, so it's a kind of strange rule for me. It takes me back several years to when the SPL had a similar thing. And uh, we used to, like, have one kid from – he was actually a, a, a Kiwi – he played every game on the bench and he never got on the pitch at all. And it was really bad for, he, for his, his development. So the reason why I want to talk about it is on Friday night, uh, Daegu couldn't find, uh, allegedly, couldn't find an under-22 player good enough to start their, their match. So what they did was they then had to forfeit uh, a substitution. Uh, Ten minutes into the game, they got a guy stretched off uh, after a a kind of accidental challenge. I'm not quite sure what actually happened there. Um, which then meant they obviously made one sub in, in 10 minutes and they only had one sub left for the remaining 80 minutes. It's just something that, that you know, that I wonder, what, what is the better option there? Is it, is it better to, like, you know, not start an under-22 and therefore forfeit one substitution? Or is it better just to start the kids, play them for the first, the first 45 minutes, He's not really going to sell the jerseys, really. He's, he's not really going to be such a weight around your ankles that you're going to lose the game 5-0 by halftime. And, you know, and then give him half of, you know, the one half of, of, of development and still have those three subs you know, for the second half or for whatever. But it seems to be that um, there's a couple of clubs this season that are going down the road of you know, they would rather forfeit a substitution than, than start an under-22 player. So in itself, that makes the rule kind of laughable, to be perfectly honest. I mean, if teams would rather not play the kid, I say kid, but you know what I mean? If teams would rather not play an under-22 player and, and, and lose a substitution, then the rule itself is pointless, in my, in, in my opinion. I, I would agree. Um, one thing I, I, I'd like clarified though, um, is there a minimum number of minutes they have to play? I mean, I remember seeing Guangzhou at least twice this season take a player off after around 25, 30 minutes. 
is there a minimum number of minutes they must play? Yeah, the I don't know what it is, but they can't start and take them off immediately. Again, I don't know what it is. It's something like 20, 25 or 30 minutes. But there is definitely like a minimum amount of time that they've got to be on the pitch. Because otherwise, you would basically demoralise these, these kids. I mean, you would literally start them. They, you know, like the first attack, the ball goes out, bang, take them off after two minutes. That, that, that couldn't be allowed. Um, interestingly, uh, I don't know if Alistair will remember uh, either the kid's name or the game. But Huang got absolute dog's abuse for doing that. I believe it was in an FA Cup game. He brought a, a young guy on in, in the second half, uh, played him for 10 minutes. Oh, no, or did he start him or something? I can't remember. But he, he kind of really embarrassed the kid by, by pulling him off. Like, I, I think you know, that was... I think you're referring to possibly the game against John Book the, for, the, for the championship a few years ago. He, uh, he he started the guy. He brought him off uh, very early, very early on. I don't think it was to do with the 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 uh, with that kind of rule. And yes, he was accused of setting back his uh, his development. Mind you, Huang set back everyone at that club's development. Uh, I think one one example of it was the the, the Buchon, the kid who came to Buchon from the Chinese Super League with something like fifty Chinese Super League appearances under his belt. But he only actually he actually played very very little very, very little time because he was used as a designated under under 20 player or whatever it is necessary in, in the Chinese Super League. One thing I, I will also say about the substitutions is once we get into the summer and we get into the 90 degree heat, I don't think we'll see them forfeiting substitutions. I think they will be playing the under 22s in order to make sure they've got a full complement of substitutions available to them. I mean, it's very interesting in that, you know, recently Korea have been doing very well in these... Um underage international tournaments, certainly, certainly in Asia, of course, but I think they, they did pretty well in one World Cup recently, was it not? Um, uh, anyway, but, you know, so you'd like to think that there should be enough players coming through and getting chances, um, but, you know, it's a such a tight league, maybe managers are wary that these young players could cost them their job, but you'd like to think that they could uh, coach them better and, and move on from that mentality. Okay, any other business before we move on to talking about the upcoming action this week? There isn't. I'll just say the, uh, one little bit of any other business as well. You mentioned that, uh, that early substitution in the Daegu match. Uh, I, I did briefly touch on it earlier. Hong Jong-un actually suffered a serious injury in that. He's got a cruciate ligament uh, injury, which is going to see him out possibly for the season, just four games after he came back from doing his ACL. Um, he's not the only one, apparently. Uh, also... The guy at Incheon, um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, I apologise, uh, but their foreigner, he picked up a serious injury, I, I believe, against uh, Pohang. And um, it looks like he might actually be getting sent back to his parent club. Um, they, or or they, might be, they might be looking at registering another foreigner uh, if there's a summer transfer window. So two disappointing bits of news uh, from the K1 on the injury front. Speaking of Incheon, it is Friday night football in Incheon. And I tell you, I haven't really missed going to the stadium so far this year, but Friday night football in Incheon, that would have been a little bit tempting, if not necessarily for the football, certainly for the libations. Home to Kangwon should be a good game. We're going to have Mark predict K1. Joe, you've got FA Cup. Good luck. Uh, Incheon, Kangwon, Mark. Uh, 
God. And so on Kang one, there's going to be two goals in it. It'll be 2-1 or 3-1 to Kang one. An underwhelming Seoul against an underwhelming John Book. This would be a big fixture in normal times. I'm actually going to go with, I'm going to go with one each. Okay. Uh, Busan and Sangju. Busan still looking for their first win. Uh, they're going to wait a little bit longer. I'm going to go with a Sangju. Uh, probably a draw, but Busan will not win, is my prediction. Always a tasty affair is Pohang against Ulsan, the derby. Yeah, um, Pohang coming into the game well, like uh, four goals. Uh, they obviously were poor against So as we talked about last time. Ulsan look as if they're maybe lost a, maybe lost a little bit of confidence somewhere along the line somehow. Uh, Pohang always give them a good game. Um, yeah, Pohang are going to ruin Ulsan's day yet again. Uh, 2-1 Pohang. Bring on the soju bottles song now. Well, also bring on the soju bottles song now against Daegu. Um, this is a tough one. This is really is a tough one. Um, but I, I think I've said this before. I haven't been overly impressed by by Daegu. I do think that Sezina is potentially the best player in the league. Uh, in Dehan, they have the best uh, poacher in the league. If they can get both of them playing together. They should be a good team, but um, I don't. I haven't. Re- I haven't been impressed by them. Songnam, I have been impressed by obviously as I keep talking about them. Songnam by the odd goal in three. Okay, Daegu still winless, of course. Guangzhou are winless as well. They travel to Suwon Blue Wings in the final match of the weekend. That game has nothing each written all over it. Nothing each there. So no K2 because it is the FA Cup. K2 sides join the FA Cup in this round. And I don't know how much attention either of you guys have paid to this so far. But, of course, none of the K2 teams are drawn against one another. Uh, The majority are at home. So I'm just going to list up the ties uh, which uh, have a, a, K- a K2 team in them, and get your opinion. Joe, we're going to start, obviously, with Suwon and Kirchang. Yeah, I'm not going to, be honest, I'm not going to try and block my way through this, lads. I do not have a clue. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what team goes out. Uh, like I said, we haven't rotated much. Uh, fingers crossed whatever team is, we have enough to get past Chang with a home game against Incheon up next for the winner. Tantalising prospects indeed. Who knows, maybe we'll even have fans in the stadium by then. Okay, we're not going to go through the rest of of these. Basically, uh, Anyang are are, are home to Goyang, Jeju home to someone called Songwol. Uh, Anyone has got any idea on that, you're certainly better than I am. Jonam and Chongju, Ansan Chihung, Asan Jonju, Daejeon against Chuncheon, Gyeongnam Mokpo and uh, Buchon travelling to Ulsan Citizen. Seoul Eland at home to Changwon City. I'd say that one possibly could be the potential banana skin. If it's just a luck of the draw. But as you mentioned, Butron are the only team away from home. The only K2 team away. I don't know if that's luck of the draw or if the, the small teams want to go to the, the, the bigger stadium. So there'll be no fans. So I'm not sure if there's any benefit in that. But yeah, it seems pretty strange that of 10 teams, only, only one is away from home. Uh, just for Mark, Songnam 
will be due to play the winner of Asan versus Junju Citizen. So maybe one for Mark to keep an eye on. I think I just want to touch back on uh, that Seoul Eland uh, Chang one game. Um, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm pretty certain I'm not. Uh, Seoul Eland have crashed out in the first round of the FA Cup every year of their existence. And every year they've crashed out to someone, like either a university team or a Chunju or a Changwon. Uh, I think it's Changwon's turn to beat them. Um, if any team can lose to a, a K3, K4 university, part-timers, local GM company, five-a-side team, it's Soeland in the FA Cup. So all there is is to sit back and enjoy 10 K2 teams at home, just one away. Enjoy the magic of the FA Cup, whether you're home or away. Yeah.